0: It's Carcon Carne. Let's eat in the car. It's Carcon Carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van Aster.
1: All right. Welcome back to the working week, such as it is. It is Carcon Carne. Sponsored by C&H Financial Services, business owners are continuing to figure out their way to deal with the coronavirus and how to conduct business, and C&H Financial Services is here to help. They offer a variety of products ranging from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expense associated with accepting Visa, MasterCard, Discover, and American Express as a form of customer payment. CNH Financial Services eTab solutions easy to set up for your business for online ordering and curbside pickup. They also offer co- uh, cost-effective commercial lending programs or they offer cost-effective commercial lending programs to help get your business the money it needs to make it through these unprecedented times. To learn more, contact CNH Financial Services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us. You know it is a Monday uh there's no better day to talk about the blues than a monday because that's when it hits us my um, guest tonight how about this uh he is internationally acclaimed blue star dave specter uh to my left i don't know how it translates in the uh the world of social media or facebook uh dave specter also plays a bunch of roles in the chicago blues network we'll talk about that uh the other gentleman billy branch a harp god three-time grammy nominee <laughs> Uh, played on more than 150 recordings uh, this is a blue summit thank you for joining me guys
0: hey th- thank you for the invitation yeah good, good to it. be with you let's just start with what
1: brought you together the two of you together most recently uh right out of the gate let's talk about the ballad of george floyd it, it seems like blues have long been a perfect platform for talking about social problems here we are in 2020 you, you went right for it tell me about that song
2: well um i wrote the song shortly after george floyd was murdered and um it kind of wrote itself it was really disturbing to me and i've been you know without gigs basically since march like all of all of my fellow musicians and i've had a lot of time to think and write and try to find other outlets other than playing live so i wrote the song actually fairly quickly and um I've known Billy for over 30 years, and first as a fan, and then we've become friends. And we had talked about collaborating for years, and I thought this was a really good song for him to sing and play on. So I reached out to him you know, pretty soon after I wrote it, and I was like, hey, we should record this together. So I sent it to him, and the rest is history.
1: It's a powerful song, and I guess a question for both of you. Talk about the power of the blues to convey emotions and feelings because the blues are something you feel when you hear it, when you see it live. Tell me how, I I guess, speak to that.
0: Really? Well, I've always, uh, especially in recent interviews, um, I've stated that I felt that the blues is probably the most, uh, powerful music on the planet in that it is so universal because it speaks so directly to the human condition. You know, you can say everybody gets the blues. You can't say I got the rock and roll. I got the jazz. I got the hip hop. You know, I mean, it's what, and it's Willie Dixon who, I was mentored by, I was in Willie's band for six years. And Willie always, his most famous, well, two famous quotes. He read, definition of the blues was the roots. All of the, America's music was the fruits. But he also stated that the blues is the facts of life. And it's very apparent that the whole world in some form or another is going through the blues right now. And because the facts of life with the pandemic and the other turmoil that uh, political and social turmoil uh, challenges of social injustice, this is global. So the blues is the perfect um, musical vehicle to express these kind of uh, sentiments.
1: I've always felt the blues yeah, they they, they hit, hit those emotions. They reflect those feelings. They also kind of lift you up like, okay, this is what's going on. We can get to a better day.
0: Right. Well, you know, the blues singer, contrary, you know, a lot of people, people the uninitiated, they have this stereotypical view that the blues is sad and depressing. And, of course, we know it's quite the contrary because if uh, you go to a blues club and – uh, your old your your girlfriend or your wife has left you for another guy, and that guy's up there singing about it. You feel like, yeah, man, I know what you're talking about. It's consolation, you know. It's therapy.
1: Hey, uh, how'd you uh,
0: know? How'd you know that happened to me, Billy?
1: Because <laughs> you play <laughs> the blues so well. <laughs> One thing I, I pointed out in previous blues-related interviews, there is for people overseas and who don't live in America, there's there's almost a mystique to it because it's such a uniquely American sound and art form that for people who aren't from the U.S., there's something almost exotic and exciting to people who don't live here. Am I, I mean, you guys have been all over the place. Is that accurate?
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say that. Yes, a mystique, but there's just a, i mean, here, I think it's taken for granted. Um, I agree. You know, and, uh, you know, you, there, especially in Chicago, where there's just, you know, more blues probably than anywhere else in the world. But, you know, just the, the, um, just like many American art forms from jazz to film, the blues is really much more respected overseas as an art form. And we're treated with, with more respect and adulation as artists, and, and it's wonderful. You know, I've played in 20 countries. Billy's probably played in 40, um, but it's it's another world, and it's um, one of the reasons that a lot of American musicians have moved overseas, especially to Europe. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Billy, you, you mentioned Willie Dixon. I was just a kid. Yeah. Just a kid mm-hmm. back in 1990, mm-hmm. 1990. I remember I went to see. It was like, it was like a blues, not a festival, but a, it was a big ensemble of blues performers playing at the Area Crown Theater in Chicago. Was really mm-hmm. on that bill again. I was just a kid. My memories are scarce. I just knew that I wanted to see it because I thought it would be a really cool thing for me. Were you part of mm-hmm. a band back in nineteen ninety? I can't remember. No,
0: I had left by then. I had. Uh... Probably, uh, I had left the band probably by 1981, I want to okay. say. Yeah.
1: My years are way off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had, uh, I joined his band, I think, around yeah, 74, 75, somewhere in there.
1: And that was a master class on learning the blues, I'm sure. Oh,
0: man. That was... That- Ultimate um, uh, uh, school of higher learning of blues. Willie was, uh, I mean, he ate, slept, breathed the blues, and I couldn't have asked for a better all around education in terms of uh, just the significance in addition to becoming a better musician. You know, it was like. You had to walk uh, the line, you know, along the line of fire because I had to. Uh, number one, I replaced Carrie Bell, who was already a fan established one of the uh, best living harmonica players at that time, and so Willie actually kind of nurtured me, uh, you know, into becoming a much better musician.
1: It, Dave, you mentioned how the Blues are more well received overseas, or just it's just a different perspective. Tell me what the Chicago Blues Network is because it sounds like this is a, a way to elevate the Blues back here at home.
2: Yeah, the Chicago Blues Network um, is uh, a combination of a lot of moving parts, and one of the things that we do is, t- and um, our one, one of our main outlets for teaching is, is going, to, going around to various blues festivals around the country. And say, uh, we go to the King Biscuit Blues Festival in Arkansas, people can sign up to study with the faculty, which is all made up of all professional blues musicians, including Billy and myself. Um, unfortunately, with the pandemic, we haven't been able to travel, so we're doing um, a series of online lessons. And uh, we also started in, uh, in uh, late spring, we started doing live streaming shows with a, uh, a top flight video crew, which would do three camera cameras um, and we would put together, um, you know, kind of like all star lineups of artists with people like Jimmy Johnson and John Primer and Mud Morganfield and Billy Branch and, and many of our faculty, including Billy Flynn and Harlan Thurston and, and so many other musicians. But we've tried to do that twice a month and, um, and keep the music alive, as, you know, obviously we can't go out to clubs very much.
1: Right. I, I, speaking of masterclass, I mean, those are the people to learn it from. Oh, my gosh.
2: Yeah. And, and we also have a social impact, social justice element that our, our founder Scott Wild is, is very passionate about. And we um, you know it's very timely that this song, The Ballad of George Floyd, is, um, has come out. And we actually premiered it at, uh, at, at one of the recent live
1: stream shows. Yeah, it, it sounds amazing. Tell me what Trading Fours is.
2: Uh, Trading Fours is, is just the title we're using for the live stream shows.
1: Got it. Okay.
2: Yeah, it's basically an old jazz term. You know, when musicians play four bars, solos, um, and, and really, really kind of the groove of what we do.
1: Uh, so, Dave, it was last year you put out Blues from the Inside Out. Right. Uh, your, your debut as a vocalist. You sound great. Thank you. Uh, uh, the, from a collaboration perspective, I mean, here we're talking about uh, Ballad of George Floyd with Billy Branch, but Yorma uh, from the Airplane, Jefferson Airplane, Hot Tuna. How Low Can One Man Go? What a great song. Thank you.
2: I could, yeah. write, a new, I could write a new verse every day.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every five minutes.
1: <laughs> I, I've been saying, I, I'm at the point now where when it comes to the news, I'm treating it the way some people treat drinking coffee. Like, I don't want to follow the news after 3 p.m. because it'll ruin my sleep. That's why some people, yeah, I can't have coffee after 3. It'll mess me up. That's the way I feel about news and online comments in the present day.
2: You're a wise man. Yeah, you <laughs> got you to you pace yourself. Uh,
1: the title track of Blues from the Inside Out, this is, this is like your version of blues propaganda. This is seeking salvation in the blues.
2: Hmm. I've never heard it described that way.
1: I can't imagine um, you have.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it's based on, on truth. Um, I co-wrote it with my friend Bill Brickta, and, uh, you know, I think it, it kind of... Uh, you know, I've been paying my dues for 35 years. And, you know, I didn't have the opportunity to play with anybody quite as heavy as Willie Dixon. But starting out with Sam Lay and Hubert Sumlin and Seals and, and and so many others, I, you know, I, you know, one of the one of the lines in the song is, uh, listen to the blues man stories, you know, find out what it's really about. You just pay your dues and play these blues from the inside out, you know, just to It's all about how we express ourselves personally. And um, it's a big part of, uh, it's a huge part of how I express myself. You know, it's like, it's it's, it's what I do.
1: And I think you explained it beautifully. The blues to me has always been reverential to what has come before. As an artist, you want to find your own path forward, but you always are cognizant of everything that happened and built up to where you are in the present day there's that respect for the past
2: definitely yeah and i was lucky you know I'm, I'm a native chicagoan and i um i immersed myself in the blues scene from the age of about 20 and um got to study and learn and play with so many real legends you know
1: there's a song on the new album on the new dave specter album or latest dave specter album uh ponchatoula way lots of mm. good time louisiana type vibes this is a far cry from the Northwest side of Chicago.
2: Yeah. You know, my two favorite musical cities in the world are Chicago and new Orleans. Um, I give Austin third place, but I love new Orleans music very much. And I had the music for the song and I gave it to my co-writer bill and I'd never heard of Ponchatoula and he had been there and um, wrote most of the lyrics and, uh, You know, I I have influences in many places outside of Chicago. So I think that that's where the music in that song comes from.
1: Uh, Jumping to Mm -hmm. Billy Branch's most recent release, Billy Branch Mm -hmm. and the Sons of Blues, Uh, the songs of Little Walter. Uh, Little Walter, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, blues man from the South who found his way, as many did, uh, to Chicago. Uh, Wildly influential harmonica player. Uh, you devoted a whole album to him, and this, this speaks to the, the reverence I was just talking about with Dave. Tell me tell me about Little Walter, what he means to you.
0: Well, Little Walter, uh, I've come to um, understand that Little Walter is probably the most influential harmonica player of any genre, and I can say that because in my visits around the world, in, in recent visits uh, to China, I was in China, performing in China last two years. Um, and I did a harmonica workshop. But they had a school, a harmonica, blues harmonica school in one of the provinces I went to. And um, they're teaching little Walter style. I was in the Andes Mountains of Ecuador. You know, I'm also known for uh, working with youth. Uh, my blues in schools program. I'm one of the pioneers. I've been teaching youngsters since 1978. I'm in the Andes Mountains, <laughs> and uh, I, I can speak semi-fluent Spanish. And I'm teaching my classes in Spanish. And I invited some of the students. The To come up and you know jam and play on the microphone, a couple of them were trying to play like Little Walter, and I found this in Japan throughout Europe. But Little Walter, yeah, I'm so his influence is just so vast, uh, transcending uh, international boundaries, ethnic. uh, It's just he's everywhere. And I, he can best describe, uh, one way he's described is kind of like the Charlie Parker and the John Coltrane of blues harmonica. He was such a genius. Uh, his solos even today sometimes uh, just defy comprehension. It's like, how in the hell did he think of this? <laughs> Because you listen to, number one, uh, he may have not been the very first person to do this, but he is certainly the person that took the concept of a microphone and a harmonica through, a, through an amplifier using distortion and feedback to a different level. So when you're listening to little Walter or if you listen to any modern day blues style harmonica player the harmonica is not going to sound like what you normally think of harmonica sounding it sounds more like a like a horn or Mm -hmm. something else because of the distortion and the feedback element and little Walter pioneered that and uh you know before Hendrix and other guys using distortion on guitars and feedback uh they said it was said that Little Walter's million-selling number one hit, Juke, which reached number one on the Billboard R&B charts in 1952. It was a million-seller. That had never happened before. Here's a harmonica instrumental. It was said that the jazz musicians would gather around the jukeboxes trying to figure out what instrument he was playing. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. when little Walter uh, when he broke out as a star, the price of harmonicas went up.
1: Because also, everyone, everyone wanted to everybody be like everybody,
0: awesome. everybody wanted also be right back. Um, I was by, and I used to sit in with his band, the Aces. You know, little Walter died tragically age thirty seven in nineteen sixty eight brain injury from a fight. Uh, Dave Sam Lay who you mentioned, the, the great legendary Sam Lay drummer, told me the story of when Little Walter called him the the, the night preceding his death the next day. Wow. He told me, yeah, but um, uh, Little Walter, when Little Walter was uh, became so popular, they said that you could not get a job in Chicago playing blues, if you did not have a harmonica player. You, it was, it was mandatory. And that was because of Little Walter. So on that album, in addition to uh, presenting what we did with that album, the concept was we did part traditional arrangements and we added our own sons of blues touch. And we also had the added uh, bonus of having little Walter's daughter, Marion Till. Anecdotes about her famous father
1: that, that is fantastic, and I don't want to overlook. In at the end of the 90s, there was a, a collection of songs, Super Harps. It was, yes, it was like the 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 A team of harmonica players in the blues. It was you, uh, James Cotton, Charlie Musselwhite, Sugar Ray, all doing your, your stuff. I love that, yes, album. I, I love Route 66 on that one,
0: yeah, thank you, thank you, and preceding that. I did Harp Attack with Junior Wills, Gary Bell, and James Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and amazing. The, 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 yeah.
1: Amazing stuff. Thank all you. right. So uh, looking forward, uh, first of all, I I'd strongly recommend just have awareness of this song, The Ballad of George Floyd. It, it's a fantastically done song. It, it, there's nothing more timely than this song right now. It, it's out there. Listen to it, please. If you're listening to this podcast or watching right now. Uh, moving forward, though can we find you both online as part of the Chicago blues network? Is this where we'll see you until this, this dark cloud lifts and we can go out of our houses?
2: Um, Yeah, it's definitely one of the places to look for us. Um, We have a new website, uh, Chicago blues network that's hopefully launching within the next week or so, but right now at home, Chicago com is our, our landing page. Um, and I've got an outdoor show actually coming up on Friday. Um, so today uh, is,
1: if you're listening, it's October 5th today, so this would be October
2: 9th. 9th, yeah. I'm playing up at the uh, Evanston Space Summer Stage Outdoor Safe and Socially Distant Tent. Nice.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, David, since we spoke, I've got a weekend gig too. Yeah, hallelujah. I've got a weekend. I've just got a. A weekend gig, either Friday or Saturday, in uh, Griffith, Indiana, out in the park, an outdoor, uh, oh, mini, mini festival.
1: And here's the all amazing right. timing: the weather, I think, is supposed to be great all week.
0: That's I, what they that's what I heard. Yeah, it's a here's 70s this weekend.
1: So, I mean, for you guys who who live for that for that give and take with the audience, who live to perform, I I, I can't imagine what it's like to just be able to play and see see people grooving on what you're doing just after, after this time away, it's got to be it brings back all the reasons why you started playing in the first place. I'm sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've never gone this long, even close to this long without. Right. right. When uh, we get it, when we get a chance to do it, it, it feels great.
0: I, I did uh, the first Live performance with an audience with my band was at Fitzgerald's a couple of months ago. Prior to that, we hadn't done anything before a live audience since March, and yeah. and the people were so appreciative. and And people are hungry; they, they oh, want yeah. to hear they want to hear their live music. They want to hear their musicians. You know,
1: no, yeah. I, I'm one of them. I'm right there with you. All right. Dave Spector, Billy Branch, what a a true pleasure talking to both of you tonight. Uh, Your tremendous world-class talents. It's a real thrill to be able to meet you and and hear your stories tonight.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having us.
2: I'll second that. Thank you, James. Pleasure to be with you, man.